Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-host Leslie Hoskins and our guest host, Sarah Claudia. Sarah Claudia, we're so excited to welcome you back as a guest host again. How is everything going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy this, but, um, you know, life's been pretty busy. I think last time I just started my master's program. Now I've just finished my first course. So they do eight week like subterms. So I just finished my first eight weeks. I've got a little break before I start my next two courses. So I'm just on a little much needed break right now. I can imagine that's a lot plus all the other things you have going on. So do you go into campus or is it virtual? So it's a virtual. It's actually um, in Virginia and I live in Georgia. So it's Liberty University. So it's all online. Very nice. I was going to say ask uh, how your classmates are enjoying Jackson, but they don't get the pleasure of meeting Jackson, <laughs> yes. which is unfortunate for everybody. <laughs> it is. He's precious. He's over here snoring. Hopefully that doesn't go oh. through the airwaves here. But <laughs> Awesome. Any other exciting things going on? Are you gearing up for a fun Halloween? Do you do anything or... Um, not really. I'm, I'm gearing up for a trip. I'm actually leaving right after this podcast. I'm going to Disney World <gasps> with my parents for the weekend. Um, but we, we like to do Disney World kind of differently. Every now and then we'll go just for a long weekend and we won't even go to any parks. We'll just pick a resort we haven't been to and go and eat at a bunch of different restaurants and eat and be lazy. So uh, that's, that's the plan. I love that. That is a, <laughs> a great way to do Disney. <laughs> yes, I'm just in I'm shock excited. right now. Like that is amazing. I'm so jealous. I haven't been to Disney, I think since like high school. My husband's yeah. never been. Really? I keep wanting to take him, but then we'd have to take the kids. And that yeah. seems like a whole lot of effort that I'm not ready for. <laughs> right. So do you take Jackson with you? I do. He's been once before. He went last year and um, we're going again. I'm not going to the parks. I don't think I would ever take him into the park. I think that would be very overwhelming for him, but he is definitely a lays around at a resort (laughs) dog. Yeah. He's a resort style guy dog. Yeah. (laughs) I know I haven't been to Disney since I was eight, but I went to Universal like a year and a half, two years ago, maybe now. Oh my gosh. Life flies. Yeah. I'm like, when's the last time I did anything besides this well, podcast? I'm just kidding. That pandemic really <laughs> cut out two years of life that we just no, all forgot it's, about. <laughs> it's so fun. And and just a, a plug for Disney. They're very accessible to anybody listening who thinks, oh, that's not for me. Like, I can't see. They have audio description for a lot of the rides. So you get like a headset and it describes the park to you, where you are in the park, um, what's around you. And then on the rides, it will like describe the ride as you're going through and the shows. It's really, really cool. That's very cool and good to know. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. amazing. I've seen sometimes in uh, like the Leader Dog Facebook alumni group page that people have asked questions about like, what do you do with your dog here? And, they, and Disney was one of those topics. And everybody has like really good feedback about their experience there. So that's incredible to hear. Yes, I love it. My favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. We're so excited. And we're equally as excited today to have two special guests in studio who are going through the Guide Dog Apprenticeship Program at Leader Dog to become Guide Dog Mobility Instructors. 
Yes, Dave and Lauren both bring a lot of skills to the team. Dave was born and raised in Rochester, Michigan, and has been familiar with Leader Dog as long as he can remember. He joined the team in 2016 as a part of the dog care team, and in 2020, he joined the training team and is now a level two apprentice. And he is also one of our Spanish-speaking instructors and will primarily be working with our clients from Spain and Latin America when he is in class with them. And Lauren grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and received her bachelor's in animal science from Ohio State. And she had an internship working with wolves, which is super cool. And prior to joining Leader Dog, she assisted in developing independence for individuals with autism while volunteering for three nonprofits, rehabilitating injured wildlife in exotic animal sanctuaries. She went on to grow her understanding of companion animals and connecting with people who love them as a veterinary assistant, and Lauren is now a level three apprentice. Very, very cool. Hearing about you guys and your background, welcome to the podcast, Dave and Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited. And why don't we start off with Dave? Tell us a little bit about what brought you to join the Leader Dog team. Hi, yeah. Uh, Thank you guys very much for having me. Um, Like Christina said, I have been familiar with leader dogs kind of my whole life. Uh, I was born and raised in Rochester, which is where leader dogs is located. Um, In elementary school, we had like a client come in with his guide dog and kind of talk to our class and show us a video of what it was all about. And I've been fascinated with it since then. Um, And then when I was in school, I was looking for jobs and found a part-time job in the dog care department. And when I was there, I uh, saw the instructors coming in and out, taking the dogs and working with clients and it just seemed like that's really what I wanted to do. So uh, I went for it. I didn't actually get it my first time, but kept trying. And uh, yeah, I'm loving it. And it's going good. You know what? That's really good to hear that those school presentations pay off. <laughs> because as I'm going to all the schools, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, eh, are the kids getting it? You know, but <laughs> it is. It's really cool. And to have a client experience, especially, uh, has an impact. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely stuck with me. I remember it very clearly. <laughs> that's know? so cool. So, that's really good feedback yeah. to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, and Lauren, your background is extensive. It's, it's so many different things. I mean, what brought you to Leader Dog? You know, you've worked with wolves, exotic animals, you know, uh, people with autism. I mean, what brought you to Leader Dog, I guess? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, again, thanks for, for having me. I'm excited to get to talk about the apprenticeship today. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of always knew I wanted to work with animals when I grew up. Um, My final semester in college, I had just worked with the wolves and gotten to really connect with people through wildlife um, and conservation and and really loved all of that. Um, But we had a speaker come in and he had a service dog and he came in and he was telling us about the tasks that this dog does for him. And he started to get emotional. He was quadriplegic and he was saying that he went to check out at a store one day and he dropped his credit card on the floor and his dog retrieved it for him. And just the impact that that had on his independence was huge. And so that little nugget stuck in my head. That was probably 10 years ago now. And I have kind of always thought about that moment. And um, so then I just said yes to any opportunity that I thought could kind of lead me in this direction. And so I got to really get to work with a bunch of different animals and get to to know all of that and get to connect with people. Um, And so so finally, six years goes by. I'm like, I need to just do this. Now, now's the time to do it. Um, so I looked at a bunch of different schools, a bunch of different organizations and tried to really figure out what I was looking for. 
made a list and they're not glorious reasons, but kind of, you know, what made the most sense for me. I wanted to be able to ski during the winter and I wanted to be able to be around water and in the summer. So um, Leader Dog was kind of the perfect fit. Uh, And then when I came on campus, I was immediately blown away. Like campus is just so gorgeous and seeing how passionate people were. um, It's the second oldest guide dog school in the country. So just the amount of knowledge here is just wonderful to have access to. Access to the O&M department is also critical for developing those skills. So um, I wish I would have started sooner, but I'm here now. (laughs) Exactly. That's all that matters. So you're in year three of an apprenticeship, of the apprenticeship at, oh my goodness, apprenticeship. And Dave, (laughs) where are you at? Uh, Lauren and I started on the same day. Oh my gosh. Uh, So I'm (laughs) about to take my exam to go up to level three. I'm just a little behind because of the way the structure works out what team you're on so okay okay but I have to ask I'm gonna cut you off because there's probably some people who don't even know what this program is so we have to ask I mean Lauren or Dave whoever wants to answer it what is this program yeah the uh it's a three-year program where you do everything you need to like learn how to become an independent GDMI um very educational um you start off doing a lot of shadowing and then um, you get more hands-on. You start with working a lot with the dogs and then more shadowing with the clients. And then as you progress through, you start to get to work with, like, one client and then work your way up. And so while it's very educational, it's very hands-on as well and kind of just setting you up because it's such a, um, there's such a wide array of, like, different types of clients you'll have to work with and dogs. And really it needs to be, like, three years long just to cover all the different types of things you might encounter when you are independent and don't have all the support you have when you're an apprentice. So yeah, it's just a lot of learning. And and there's so many, like you said, so many um, things that go into it. So you guys have to learn, you know, so much about dogs and their behavior and their science and their health and their well-being and the training and why they do what they do and how they do what they do. But then you have to learn how to work with adults or teens as well, because we do serve teens. But then teaching them how to use this new tool in the world, um, which is another living, breathing thing that they're taking on. So there's just those really two different aspects, which I think this career takes such a unique person because it isn't just an animal lover, right? You would think, okay, guide dog instructor, animal lover, but it also takes somebody who wants to work with people and help people and reach that level of independence, like Lauren, you had mentioned. Yeah, and as a client, I have a question that I've been wondering about related to that for either one of you, Dave or Lauren. When you're working with a dog and kind of transitioning to getting that dog ready for a client, what's different depending on the client? Like, for example, I'm completely blind, and as opposed to somebody maybe who has some vision, do you, at the end of the dog's training, kind of train the dog differently, or um, do you teach that client differently how to work with the dog depending on their level of vision? Yeah. So um, the training cycle is four months long and then we get to spend the three weeks with the client. Um, So the first like three months are pretty standard. So we're really looking at developing the skills of each of the dogs. Um, And then we start to look at the matches. And then around the last month, month and a half, we really start to finesse that dog and give them the extra skills that we're thinking their best match is going to need. So if you're flying, if you're using bus transportation and those sorts of things, we'll make sure that you're the dog that we have in mind for you is going to do well in those environments. So we really start to cater all of that training towards, towards you guys. Um, As far as teaching 
clients of different vision levels, we plan for everyone to be total. We set all of the, all of the dogs up for a client who is total to be the standard. Um, some dogs are more successful with giving that extra support to someone who needs um, a little bit more if you are. Uh, so the skills and the standards are still at the same level, um, but we all, we just kind of consider maybe this dog would do a little bit better um, with someone of a different vision level. And then the teaching too for the client, realizing that sometimes things are going to look a little different for a client who can't see anything versus a client who can and making making sure we'll get, we're giving them the problem solving tools to be successful. Yeah, so interesting. I know we've had a podcast about kind of the matching process, but hearing about where it starts with the apprenticeship, there's so much learning and, and work that goes into what y'all do. So it's a, it's a very high calling, but us clients, we appreciate all the work you put in. Yes. Um, and, you know, going through this process, you guys learned this as you were going through your apprenticeship. Um, the levels, what do the levels mean? So level two, level three, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, when you're level one, you're still, like I said, doing a lot of shadowing, um, mostly hands-on with the dogs and more shadowing with the clients. But by the time you're at the end of level one, you do have your own clients that are like your responsibility. You have more support and people like kind of coming with you as you work with them, but not, um, you know, not the same as as you move further on. Um, so level one is very dog-centric and it takes about like a year and a half. And then you move up to level two where... You start to gain a lot more independence and you're starting to take on multiple clients at a time. Um, and then level three, they expect you to start to do like a home delivery and more field work and just kind of the more advanced things that come with the job. So, um, yeah, it's kind of just kind of the further you get, the more independence you get and kind of setting you up to be ready to be independent once it's over. And we do have to mention that you guys learn some O&M. Too. Yes. So you guys yes. actually spend some time with the orientation and mobility department and learn a little bit about those cane skills and why they're so important and some of the reasoning behind, you know, how clients make street crossings and things like that. Because when clients get to you guys, it is expected that they know how to orient themselves to new environments and travel and also how to cross streets. So it's interesting that you guys also get that background as well. Absolutely. The access that we have to the O&M department is just invaluable. So if we do have a client that we're thinking, maybe they're struggling in this one aspect, we can reach out to the O&M department. You guys are lovely at coming in and identifying um, if there's something or tools. Really, it's it's the access to the tools as for us as teachers too, um, to be able to communicate because, you know, O&M is very intuitive, which is lovely, um, but also you just need someone to point out the science to you too. And so knowing those tools and Having common language, especially for our clients that go through our O&M program, it's really nice to have the same language as they're navigating adding a dog to the mix. Um, it's just really complex to deal with the dog and their behaviors. So if our O&M skills aren't solid, then we're not going to have the same success that we're looking for. Yeah, and I will mention, too, that it is completely a team effort. Like, as much as you guys appreciate the support from the O&M team, we appreciate the guide dog knowledge. You know, we have clients coming in who ultimately their goal is a guide dog. So to be have to have that resource available to say, hey, this person has a question about do they need a fenced-in yard or just some of the things or questions that come up that I don't know the answer to or we don't. You guys are amazing at jumping in all the time. We always stop them downtown when we're training like, hey, you guys got a minute? Can we pet that dog? Can we talk? Um, and they're incredible. 
And speaking of, you know, clients and, and all the diverse needs, I have a question for Dave about working with the Spanish speaking clients. And, you know, I've seen videos on YouTube, but people, when they get their dogs from other countries and the dogs, you know, you have to say the commands in that, that language. So how does it work with the Spanish speaking clients? Do they learn English commands for those dogs or what, what's that whole process like? Yeah, we do still um, teach them all the English commands just for consistency's sake for the dog. It makes it easier on them as they're transitioning to a new handler to, when they're working, still have to follow the same commands. Um, they might not say it perfectly, but, you know, mm -hmm. they the dog gets the gist and they have the gestures to go along with it. Um, so, yeah, we do teach it just like we would with an American client. And then as far as targeting, I don't know how much you guys have gotten into that on the show, but if they need to like have the dog find different things, they can call it whatever they like. So they can use Spanish for like trash would be basura. Like if they want the dog to find the trash, they could just use, stay consistent with the same word and um, apply it that way. That is very interesting. And we have had um, some of our Spanish-speaking clients in so far this year. Did you work with them at all? Yeah, I've had one Spanish-speaking client so far um, with COVID and everything. I We were kind of limited with how many international clients we were getting. Um, but I did have one, and it was awesome. Um, he, unfortunately, like, so there were some cancellations, and he was, like, the only Spanish-speaking client in the class. And we didn't have an interpreter, so it was just me and him. And he just had the best attitude about it the entire time, like, uh, was still making efforts to talk to everyone in the class and be friends with everyone. And um, so I learned a lot working with him, and it was great. Um, and most of my family lives in Spain. Like, both of my parents were born there. Uh, my mom was a Spanish teacher. So for me, it's just great to get to apply, you know, I'm sure the family is all very proud. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. such a special niche, like to be in, to be a guide dog mobility instructor is already small, but then the Spanish speaking. Uh, so you're definitely an incredible asset to the team. Thank you. Yeah, I have three. I'll be working with three clients from Spain in January. So excited to keep keep on doing it. That's awesome. And how does that work for like terminology, too? Because like as you're explaining things, do you have to make up words? Like we were talking to uh, Sarah and Kate from the deaf blind team and Sarah was kind of saying like how they have to sometimes make up signs mm -hmm. for different vocab and things like that. Does everything translate easily or do you sometimes find yourself in this situation where you're making something up a little? Yeah. Like when I did get to speak to an interpreter in a previous class, I asked her what the word for a curb is, which is very important in our work. And she's like, Oh, there really isn't one. So I still use curb and just kind of explain the concept, you know, which they know, you know, they know the concept. And there's a few things like that um, where it's more like I'll just call it the English thing, explain it to them, and then we just call it the English thing moving forward. But, yeah. That is, I find that so interesting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> and I will, I do mix in Spanglish for sure because, like, <laughs> while I, I am fluent in Spanish, it's not, like, perfect, so... There's times where I might just mostly Spanish, say one word in English, and then keep going in Spanish, and we, they know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we figure it out. Yes. Now, so you guys have been, um, how many years then have you been in the apprenticeship for two and three years? So we just hit our two year. Okay. Um, so when Dave says he's about to be level three, like okay. in the next week or so, he'll okay. be right back Perfect. with me. Um, so yeah, so he just has to take his exam, and then he'll be there as well. Can you guys tell us about those exams? Like, how does that work? So at the end of each level, so you have a certain level of skill that you've achieved um, as far as working with the dogs and then client exposure. Um, at the end of each class, uh, we have a, 
an apprentice competency exam. And really there's just five characteristics um, and then they each have different subsections to them. And you just kind of navigate the level of support you need for those skills. Um, and so that's kind of the culmination of the like five month training cycle. So um, once you have a, a certain level there, then you get to qualify for the exam. So the exam is just an oral exam at that point. Uh, and you get to sit down and there's a list of questions and you get those in advance and you get to prepare for it. Um, and then they get to ask any extra questions that they would like oh. to. So <laughs> you're prepared. Um, and, and usually they're not trying to catch you off guard or anything like that. So it is a really nice way to kind of talk through all of these concepts and make sure that you're at where you need to be to move on to the next level. That's really cool. Um, I was terrible at, at taking tests <laughs> in school. So I think I would be like so stressed out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, don't ask me any extra questions. <laughs> who who gets to sit in on those exams? Like who is the one, I guess, giving the exam? Is that what I'd say? Yeah. So it kind of changes with each each level. Um, so there's always Eric Rodman. He is the apprentice supervisor. Um, and then Erin Van Buskirk is the team lead, so she'll be sitting in. She kind of supports the level one apprentices, um, but just kind of helps that there's consistency through the program. Um, and then you get a couple of wild cards. So you may have a team supervisor there. You may have um, the head of our, the whole training department may be there. Um, it just kind of depends. And I know during this apprenticeship, you guys do um, this blindfold experience um, with the dogs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And what was it like for you guys to go through that the first time? Yeah, the blindfold experience, it's uh, for a week. You put on what's called a mindfold. It's like a complete blockage uh, blindfold. And um, you're not allowed to take it off except for like if you're taking a shower or bedtime. And um, you get to go through the first week of class as if you're one of the clients. Um, so the first two days, you know, you're doing a lot of Juno walks and kind of orienting yourself to the building. And then you get your dog just when everyone else does. And um, the rest of the week, you kind of just see what that first week is like. And um, I thought it was a very valuable experience, you know, builds a lot of empathy and kind of see what it's like and how difficult it can be to come to a place. And I'm, I, you know, I already had some familiarity with the building and still it's difficult to navigate. And I can only imagine someone that's like flying in and they have never been here before. It's got to be tough. And uh, it was a pretty humbling moment where I was trying to find a seat in what we call our multi-purpose room. And some of the clients with some remaining vision were like tapping on a chair and they're like, oh, over here's your chair. And like, they're all helping me out. So it was a pretty cool, yeah, but definitely a lot of respect for what they do. And we get to work on our own and skills during that time as well. Um, so you get to, uh, it, that's the most fun for me. I enjoy kind of that problem solving component, um, but having the empathy that Dave was talking about. Um, and then you get to connect with the clients as well. You're sitting and eating lunch with them every day um, and you're getting to talk about their experience so far or what they find helpful um, or different things that just kind of connect them. I got to learn a lot about accessibility. There was a client in my class who um, had, he um, partnered with Apple. And so he was telling me all of these different things I could do with my phone to have accessibility through that. So that was also fun. Um, and then when a client gives you feedback at the end of the class about how much sitting around there is, you're like, I know I'm trying <laughs> to do better. And, um, but you, you really realize what sitting and waiting for your turn feels like. Yeah, and I'll say as a client, it makes a world of difference knowing, coming in and knowing that our trainers 
have gone through that because it's easy when you're going through something so hard, like getting your first or second or third guide dog thinking, Oh, these people don't even know like how hard it is. But knowing that you've had that experience and you have that empathy, it really shows in the training. So we're very thankful (laughs) that you have to go through that as well. I agree. I think it's a really uh, important piece to the apprenticeship and or just working at Leader Dog is building that empathy and understanding what our clients are going through. And like you mentioned, Dave, that's you guys already know the building. You're comfortable with it. Um, and so taking that away and coming where you don't know anybody else, there's just so many pieces that our clients are incredibly brave um, and independent when they come and do this experience. And we are grateful for that and grateful for you guys willing to go through that and really understand. Um, so that's making you guys better instructors in the end. Yeah. And I mean, it really shows how much our clients trust you guys when they're here. You know, there's so much trust that they put in you guys. So that's got to feel incredible, um, especially going through it yourself. And so, you know, how do you guys have, I'm sure that was a challenge for you guys, but have there been any big challenges that you guys have faced other than that in your apprenticeship so far? As far as challenges, one of the tougher things for me is just um, the dogs when we do issue them, like um, part of the process is you kind of have to ignore them for a while at that point because they're with their new person and um you know you don't want they see you as their person for the last four months you've been training them so um i definitely struggle when we're in class and my dogs are like looking to me like oh like (laughs) there you are and i just have to like act like i don't see him or whatever but um you know it's always worth it because then you see him going down the hall and like they're with their new client and um you know making their life better and uh yeah, that's what's tough for me is just kind of having to ignore the dogs when they're kind of looking to you for support. Um, I struggle with um, when, so you have three weeks to get this team good to go home. So you're going from the support that you're giving them to complete independence. And we're a phone call away, but also you're not on the ground with them. So um, figuring out how to dial back support is the biggest thing because you want it to be beautiful and you want things to go well and you don't want anyone to be frustrated and you and, and all of that. Um, but you really kind of have to let go at a certain point and say, I believe in you. I believe that you can problem solve through this. I know you have the tools to be successful but you're going to trip and stumble along the way. It's just all part of it. Um, and it's one thing to say it and feel good about it, but it's another thing to let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the part I'm working on. <laughs> that's incredible. You guys both clearly have high passion for what you do. In both of those answers, you're really showing your emotion uh, towards it. But on the flip side, what are some of the most awkward or funniest situations <laughs> you've been in? Because I love hearing from the GDMIs about, you know, dogs having incidents in the mall. And I've seen, you know, uh, back in the day, somebody had to carry a dog out that was like having issues. So any situations that you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, this is a very sp- specific situation that happened to me. It doesn't happen very often, if at all. Um, but early days, so I was two months in um, and I was working with a dog and I had just done his mid-cycle evaluation. Um, and so that's just where we take the dog through a route and we have all the the basic skills that we're expecting them to achieve achieve halfway through training. And so I was convinced that my dog was doing so well, um, but he just didn't do super well on this evaluation. So we kind of discussed, you know, naturally you're going to just do things because you want the dog to be successful or you're just protecting yourself, right? Like I don't want to bump into something. So you accidentally kind of push the dog a little bit one way or another. Um, and so my, my dog, uh, 
so it, when you're at the Bean and Leaf, if anybody in front knows Rochester, <laughs> then you know there's a corner um, on Rochester Road and University. And so to go around the building line, you have to go a little bit to the right, and there's always a sandwich board there. And then, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to pick up on that straight line. My dog was waffling between um, going to the curb or going to the straight line. And uh, I had two people following me that day, and they're like, you know what you can do? You can close your eyes. Because if you close your eyes, then you really know the choice that the dog is making. And we're right here, so there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> I promise you, six seconds later, this dog decides to target a door instead of going straight. And I was so convinced he was going straight. I was so proud of myself for keeping my eyes closed. I slammed right into a wall. Oh, oh no. no. And there's my nose starts going and there's just blood everywhere. Oh, no. And so oh, no. they're like, we're going to take the dog for you. We're going to head back to the building. I went to urgent care. I got oh, no. a hairline fracture in my nose. Stop. So not a full blown break, but definitely black eyes. Um, and I'm just like laughing hysterically as this is happening. And they were kind of concerned with how much I was laughing. I was like, it's just so absurd. Like I just walked into a wall today. <laughs> I've never even been to the hospital before. Um, and so I took pictures and I gave them to the two people who were there and we look at it lovingly. Uh, and that's kind of our, our oh my gosh. story. I would maybe that, not request them as spotters again. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that was two months in yeah. and you are still here. So <laughs> I'm yeah. glad it didn't affect you that much. <laughs> Dave, I hope your story doesn't involve this much blood or anything. No, no, not as much. I knew that was going to be Lauren's story because yeah. I remember it fondly. Um, yeah, no. Um, no, mine, it's funny you said accidents in the mall. Um, it was the first time I was, like, alone working a dog in the mall. Like, no one following me or anything. Um, pretty big mall we go to regularly. And, yeah, like, right when we go in, we take a right, and there's carpet, and my dog decides I'm going right here, no warning or anything. <laughs> So um, I kind of panicked a little bit and, you know, the right thing would have been to do, it would have been pick it up and like take it outside and toss it, obviously. But for some reason, my brain was like, there's a trash right there. I'm just dropping it. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, obviously the hallway smelled pretty bad after that. And I had three more dogs I had to like go grab and work through this mall. So every time I came in and got a dog, like I'm walking through the section, I'm like, oh, I know why it smells terrible here. <laughs> and um, there was a poor girl that she didn't see any of it happen, but she worked at like a kiosk right in the mall and her back was to where it all happened. So she probably has no clue like why it smelled so bad for the rest of her shift. But it was, uh, yeah. That was uh, so it's <laughs> so, not always a, a glorified job. No, There's no. some <laughs> yeah. nitty gritty tough yeah. stuff. I'm sure someone thought like some a baby diaper was right. somewhere that's laying around. I, that's what I like to tell myself. Yeah. 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 Listen, <laughs> so. you live and learn. Now you know. Next right. time you would make a different choice. We do not go in the mall until you go before. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah Claudia, for joining us as well. Always a pleasure. And of course, thank you to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with host Christina Hepner and guest host Sarah Claudia. We hope you enjoyed hearing about the amazing work of Dave and Lauren. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog for our free services, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead@leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.